0: It's a great joy for us to be here with you. I've been hearing many things about the church. And some of you know us, and some of you have been praying with us and for us, so we want to thank you for that. And I'm so excited to see many of you, and especially a lot of young blood, um, young faces in this church. And I know that you've been placed in this city with a purpose. <coughs> So to begin with, uh, so I just want to bring that, uh, to meditate on those things. So to start a message, maybe I just want to just imagine something. Imagine a football game without a goalpost. Do you get that? Imagine a football game. How many of you have played football? Okay. Now I want you to imagine a football game without a goalpost. How will th- how will that game be? Yeah, I want your feedback. Yes. No goals. Yes. Okay. No aim. Non-stop. Do you think that it will non-stop go on? Yeah. Okay. Any other? Waste of time? Mm-hmm. No, direction. no direction. No direction. You don't know your opposition. You You're playing a game. There's an opposition team also. <laughs> You see, this is very, you know, sometimes we also do things like this. You now, we are also playing. You no, know, we are playing so many things. But many times we don't know why we are playing and what we are playing for. Everybody is playing, so we are also playing. And sometimes we think that we are having fun. But the interesting thing is, if you ask those people who are playing without any goal, achieving any goal, I think half of them would say, no, no, we are doing all these things, but what is the purpose? We are making noise. We are passing the ball. But what is the purpose? I think half of them would be bored. And then I think the game will stop immediately. It will not prolong for long. As we come to the church, as we live our Christian lives, unless we know why we do what we do, I think we also have the same kind of a predicament in our lives also. And that is why I just want to focus today morning our attention in the book of Ephesians where the, the word purpose is mentioned many times. We don't see that word in the other scriptures. But in, in, in Ephesians, let's see repeatedly. <clears throat> And before going into that, I just want to bring you the background. I know that Ephesians is one of the favorite books of us and we have studied it many times. We have discussed it. We have gone verse by verse, but sometimes we miss the key points. As you know, Paul was traveling to different places in first you know, thing in the second missionary journey. He started the church and then he used to leave immediately and then came back and then you know, established with uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and all that. But if you look at the city of Ephesus, <clears throat> Ephesus was a very interesting city where there was a lot of trade was happening it has navigable you know early it was a big harbor where the ships would come and a lot of trade and business and then later, what happened was this navigable you know the the harbor got stopped, and then there was a big business of of a temple of Diana, which is famous of all the sorcery and um, sexual course and all those kind of mixing things. and among that Paul goes and preaches the gospel and brings out a church in that place and then after some time you know that he continues his journey and then finally in his prison he writes a letter to them to reminding them why are they called out in that such a filthy place and what is the purpose for which they need to live in that place to remind them and as you know uh, they also had an idea and many of them were coming from different backgrounds of those pagan thinking where they thought that everything happens because of fate. But Paul was writing to them and saying, it is not that. You are not acting the way you are. You are not doing the things that you are doing. It is because you just have to do it. And then he writes them in an amazing way and to show them the purpose for which they are there. And I know that you as a church have the greatest privilege to be in the heart of the city. And I think we need to be very, very clear why we are here. And uh, let's now turn to Ephesians. And, um, and in Ephesians, book of Ephesians, as you know, many times we focus on the things that Christ has done. What are the spiritual blessings that he has given all to us? And uh, we repeatedly, there's so many blessings, so many things, yes. I'm not going into all that. I know that uh, you're very familiar with that. But one phrase that repeatedly uh, Paul uses he's in order that Hmm. he says he does all these things and then he uses the phrase in order that means he did all those things so that you do these things so I just want to focus on those things he did all these things. Why did he choose us even before the foundation of the world? Why did he you no know, even he, he predestined us? He he chose us, you know. he gave us a spirit, he, he loved us, he lavished his love on upon us. And all those things he did. For what? What is the purpose? And I think that is what I would like to focus on. Let's turn to Corinthians, Book of Corinthians, uh, chapter one. First, let's re- uh, read verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless. That's one of the purposes. To be holy and blameless. He chose even before the foundation with a purpose. You see, our God is a God of purpose. He does everything with a purpose. He never does anything chuma. Whatever he does, he does with a purpose. Even from the creation to the end, we see everything is done with a purpose. Now, for example, in the creation itself. Let's look into that. Now why did he create moon? And why did he create sun? Again is a purpose. Purpose for the day and purpose for night. Now you look through the scriptures. Everything that God does has a purpose. Now he chose us with a purpose. Now he says to be blameless. To be holy and blameless. What does that mean? As you saw the context of Ephesians, it was such a filthy place. And then he says, he has chosen you to be holy. And sometimes this word holy can get um, wrong interpretation. Sometimes holy means, in the, the root word it means to be separated. Or in other words, a symbol is to set apart. Or you are chosen and set apart for a certain purpose. Or for a certain function. That is what it means by holy. I think as we've been singing also, I think it came. In the Old Testament we see in the tabernacle, there, was in the, there were so many things. But some things were Holy now how did it become holy what all things there are so many instruments in the in the tabernacle you know that and some of the articles in the temple was holy and how did it become holy no they have to separate it and how do you how do they separate it they pour oil on that an anointing oil they say and then it is separated what does that mean? it means that then onwards, that vessel, that article, should not be used for anything else than for God and his purposes. And then also they, they used oil to anoint. And then there's in Deuteronomy, read that, that oil or the, the, the perfume, it says nobody should make it. And that if anybody is making it, should be killed. And nobody should use those oil for any other purpose other than making this. And then it says this anointing oil is poured on the priest, on the king. And it's a special perfume. So when somebody walks into the temple itself, I think they can identify which is holy and which is not holy, which is separated and which is not separated. And they didn't have to guess it, they can know it just by the smell or just by, you no, know, because it was so evident for them. Now he says that you you and I are called to be holy and blameless in this generation, in this city. What does that mean? When others see us, when others come to us, will they smell that holiness? Will they see that separation? Or, what does that mean? Separation means you are separated for God. That's a question we need to ask ourselves. Because he chose us for that purpose. Because we'll come to that later verses. Where he is choosing us. To be holy and blameless. So when others see us. They should see that. By our lives. They should see us. And again. You know that this is in the context of a church that he's writing. But again, what is a church? Hmm? And again, who knows in this in the city that there is a church like this, Calvary Church, in this Bangalore? Who knows? But they know you. Your neighbors know you. The people who are working among, you know, we are all the church, but we, we live and exhibit God and show him a different context. So when others come and relate with you, the question that we need to ask is, do they see that we are separated for him? We are different from them. I think that's a question. If we are not doing that, there is some problem. If we we are the same as they are, I think there's some problem. Says this is the purpose for you has been chosen even before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless. Now let's go to the second one. You can go and meditate more on that. Second one. Let's go on and see. Um, Let's come to verse 6. It says. He says, I think we need to read verse 5 and then we come to verse 6. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. To the praise of his glory. Now, I think that's another phrase. So, he adopted us for what? To the praise of his glory. Now, what does that mean? Again, you see the same phrase again, repeat it. Verse 12. So that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. Again. Now, verse 14. This is the pledge of our inheritance. Toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of His glory. Now, if something is repeated many times, that means it is a very important thing. Here he says. First, he says, "You've been adopted in His good pleasure," and he says he uses the word beloved. You know, that's a nice word. You know, we are His beloved, and for what? To the praise of his glory. It says to the praise of his glorious grace. I think that is what we do. When we come for worship. We just come and praise him. For his glorious grace. What he has done for us. And again. I want to ask you this question. When will really worship takes place? When will real worship takes place? For example, sometimes we think, as soon as we break the bread, we worship. Or as soon as we sing some songs, we worship. As soon as, oh, sometimes we think, no. If we come to Sunday to church, we worship God. No, my dear brothers and sisters. The question is, did you praise Him for the glorious grace? Each one individually. And as a corporate, we come and say, Lord, thank you. I want to ask you. Has any time in this past few weeks, as you come here, worship week after week, month after week, a drop of tears of joy has come from your eyes. Have you felt that? Lord, when I think of who I am and, and what you have done for me, Lord, I just want to thank you. If that has not happened, you are really not worship. Maybe others with you have worshipped. But I just want to check our hearts. Sometimes we take things for granted. And week after week, let us come and offer our praise of his glorious grace. And say, Lord, thank you. And again, I just want to clarify something here also. Sometimes we think that our God is a God who, why is he say For the praise of his glory. Why is God after this? Why God wants us to praise him? Or is a God like us who likes more likes? And he feels so happy when more people like him. You know, like in the Facebook terminology, you, know, you put something and so many people come and like it and then you feel okay, so this is so important. So is it God after that? Now, my dear brothers and sisters, I want to remember this. Even if you don't praise him, he's still God. Even if you don't praise him, he is the Almighty, he is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords. He is not becoming someone because we praise him, because we like him. No. But, why is he asking us to praise him? Why is he asking us to worship him? Is it because he has low self esteem that you come and, Lord, you're so good, you're so nice, um, you're so kind, you loved me so much? And you go your own way and live like that. And then come next Sunday and say, Lord, you're so good, you're so kind. Is that what God expects us? <clears throat> Why is God asking us to worship him? What do you think? Because it says he chose us for the praise of his glorious grace. (laughs) Because my dear brothers and sisters, it is in worship that we discover him. It is in worship that we know him. It is in worship that we see who he is. And uh, one of the authors says that you cannot just go on and worship. He says, you know, what do you say in worship is, Lord, you're so magnificent, you're so good, you're so kind. And then you cannot, for example, no, you go to a good hotel in Bangalore and you had uh, something very good. What do you do after that? You go and tell people, No, what do you do? you go to that hotel they have a good dosa, masala dosha or whatever it may be you cannot keep, keep quiet so it says worship will lead you to go out and live a life glorifying him you cannot stay otherwise where you come and only glorify God here you go out because you found something great, you found something marvelous, you something f- found something good. You go out and tell what you have found. You go out and explain, proclaim. That is why in the psalmist is saying, I go and praise him, I, I go and declare him, I go and speak out about him. Because he's so good, he's so marvelous, he's so, so magnificent. I experienced him, man. I want you to do that also. So it says, to the praise of his glorious grace. Because God is inviting us to know who he is and then enjoy him forever. And in that great, when you know who he is, and then the automatic response is praise and thanksgiving to him. And the less you know about him, there will be no praise, no thanksgiving. And that's why we, many people are hard to praise him and thank him. Because we are not knowing him. And I invite you to enjoy God in your life. So that your life may overflow with the praise of his gracious grace. (laughs) Now go on. Next portion it says. So that we might live for the praise of his glory. For, so that we might live for the praise of his glory. We are living in a world where we are conducting selfie competitions. And there the word of God says, you and I have chosen to live for the praise of his glory. I think the Spirit of God was directing us in the morning. We just read that, you no, know, where Jesus was saying, who was not seeking his own will, not seeking popularity. Jesus not seeking a selfie, you no know, doing good things. He says, I do it for the Father's glory. Why we are doing what we are doing. My dear brothers and sisters. If God has chosen us. There is no greater purpose to live. Than for his glory. Alone. And that should be our passion. And that should be our heartbeat. Because it is not about me. It is all about him and his name, his glory, his honor, his praise. I think we should be very, very careful about that. Why we do what we do? Is it for us or is it for him? So many things we can go on and discuss. Sometimes we can do ministry for also for ourselves, for our glory, for our honor, hmm? to impress others, as we read. No, to show others. No, you, you have great ministry. Sometimes we can. I think we just read one verse. I think that summarizes that. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Uh, I think Paul summarizes that. Uh, uh, f- can somebody read that? First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Therefore, whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, what is it says? Whatever you eat, or drink, or, drink, or whatever tea. you do. For? For the glory of God. Now, if eating and drinking is can be done for the glory, can we do that for the glory of God? How can eating and drinking become glory for God? And then he goes on, and because if he goes on and says, you no, know, a lot of things can be there, and then he summarizes that and he says, Whatever you do, in that whatever you do, what all things are there? Everything. Everything. It says, live for the glory of his praise. Live for his glory. Now, everything is there. Why do we study? Students, you know, so many students. Why do we study? According to this verse. Or why should we study? For the. It says, whatever you do, in that whatever you do, everything is included. My study. Hmm? Then why should you work? Why should you work? I'm not hearing that. <laughs> but is that? I know that some of you are good in baking cakes. Where do you bake cakes? Good cakes. Is that included in that? Where do you get married? Some of you are getting married, no? Uh, where do you get married? Why do you rear your children? Hmm? Why do you all send them to Clarence School? Hmm? Some people who fast and pray, you know, to get that admission. But why do you do that? <laughs> why do you buy a mobile? And says every time, you know, upgrade your life, you know, so you take. Lord and then upgrade your life for what? Is it to glory yourself or is it to glorify God? Because your purpose, my dear brothers and sisters, He loved you, you lavished, He chosen before the foundation of the world, is with this purpose. To live for the glory, for the praise of His glory. And again, I'm very plain. Why do we dress? Where do we dress? You put everything. And he says, Paul summarizes that. Whatever you should do, should do it for his glory. So I need to ask my question. Is my life, my doing, glorifying God? And then, maybe, chapter 2, verse 10. Then he goes on and summarizes that verse, and he says, For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. It says is he says we are his workmanship he's he's working out he's working on our lives and he says we have been created for good works which he created even before the foundation and which is and which should become our way of life do you have any other translations can you just read that verse chapter 2 verse 10 We should walk in them. Any other translations? We can do the good things which he planned before. (laughs) Now, my dear brothers and sisters, we are not just here just to uh, eat, drink and, uh, and die. We are here with a purpose which he planned, even before the foundation. He chose us, and with the plan he chose us, and he has something for us to do. And he says, which you sh-. sometimes good works means, and some people think, okay, you're giving 10 rupees or 5 rupees to someone. It is not that. It is, it is the whole of your life, the outcome of your life. And he says, which should become your way of life which you find out what the purpose for which you have been created and what he has created for you to do and do those things. We just use this example. Uh, What is the purpose of this pen? To write. When was this purpose decided? When they designed the pen. So is the purpose decided after creation or before creation? Before creation. When will the pen fulfills its purpose? When it writes. What are the other things you can do with this pen other than writing? Pen fights. Anything else? You can point someone. Okay. Poke each other. Throw it at someone. You can do so many things with this pen. But when will this pen fulfills its purpose when it, is for, when it is used for the purpose for which it was created Now the nut is loose here so I use my pen to tighten it what will happen I am using this pen to tighten it the nut is loose here pen will get damaged huh Will not get okay. Nut will also get damaged. Why is it not used for tightening the nut? It is not designed for that. Because it was not created for that purpose. Now, what is it saying? It's saying you do the things which you've been created for and assigned for you to do. My dear brothers and sisters, many times we are using this pen, our lives, for the things that we are not created for. And in that way, we are breaking ourselves and we are breaking others. And in, in the process, sometimes we may get money, but actually we are wasting our life. Did you get that? When you are doing things which you are not created for and the purpose of which she purposed eternally, you are wasting your life. And that is why Paul repeatedly prays for them that you may discover that and do it. You may discover that. I pray that the spirit of God may enlighten your eyes so that you will discover that and do it. My dear brothers and sisters, I just want to ask you. Are you fulfilling the purposes for which God has created you? Created you for? If you are not doing that, you are actually wasting your life. Now I can use this pen, as I said. No, many other things. I can frame it and keep it in my alamara. But still I am wasting my life. So don't waste your life. Because God has a purpose for you. And God has a purpose for you, uniting you as a church in this place. So do those things which you have been created for. And called for. And commissioned for. If you are not doing that, you are not fulfilling your purpose. And again, that we have to do it now. That we have to do it? No. We just finish off with two more verses in Jesus' life. <clears throat> Can you just read um, John chapter 15 uh, John chapter 17 verse 4. I brought glory to you by I gave you to work. completing the work I gave you to, that you have given me to do, given me to do? Where? On earth. earth. Hmm. (laughs) Not in heaven. Hmm. I finished, I glorified you by finishing, completing the work you gave me on earth to do. Now let's go to um, 1st Timothy. Second Timothy chapter four verse eight. Now Now, normally when when do you normally read this verse? What is the context that normally we use this verse? Huh? Yeah, during funeral service. No. I'm not saying that you should not read You can read that. But normally, that's the way it is used. But the context is a living person saying to another living person. It is Timothy. No, it is Paul telling Timothy. And what is Paul writing? Paul is writing to Timothy that uh, I finished the work. I kept the faith. Two things are there. Faith and, and work is also there. And we read in Acts where he says, my only desire is that I need to keep it and then fin- need to finish the work that God has given me. And then here at the end of his life, he looks back and says to Timothy, I kept the faith and finished the ministry that God has given. Fini- or in other words, finish the things that God has created me for or called me for. <clears throat> What do you do after finishing your work when you go to office? You go home. So Paul is writing to Timothy and said, God gave me so many things to do. I'm done. All done. And then if you're done, what do you do? You go home. But he's telling to Timothy, Timothy, my work is done, my purpose, my part, my things, which God asked me to do. It is over, but Timothy, God's purpose, eternal purpose, as we read in in Ephesians, the eternal purpose it's continuing and you have a role to play. Please do that. You finish it. But I'm going home and I have a, a reward. And for all those who are doing it, we'll also get that. But you continue it. Jesus said, I glorified you by finishing the work you gave me on earth to do. Paul is saying, I finished it. And if you want to finish something, the important thing that you need to know is what? (laughs) What is that you need to do and start? And then only you will finish it. If you don't know that, you'll not be able to do that. So my dear brothers and sisters, let us... Look into our lives and see the purpose for which God has called us. The purpose for which he has chosen us. The purpose for which he is enabling us to live in this world. Number one, to be holy and blameless. Number two, to the the praise of his glorious grace and to live for the praise of his glory. And number three, to finish the work that he has created us for. And I hope if you find these things, and I want to tell you that when I understood these things, it liberated me in a big way and uh, it gave me a greater purpose. It gave me a greater, greater meaning and joy to know that I'm a, not an accident. I'm not a f- person of fate. This is what God planned in eternity. This is what God wanted me to accomplish. In that he chose me and then he is completing it and he's inviting me to do my part. As I live in this world. So my life become purposeful. My life become meaningful. And whatever I do. I know that it is, has, it is with a purpose. I hope that as a church. You will discover that. And my prayer is the same prayer. As Paul is praying for the Ephesians. That God may. He's not he's not praying anything. Anything fresh to give them. No, the only thing that Paul prays is that they will know what they already know, already have. My prayer is that, it's the same, is that God may open your eyes to see this and live a life with purpose and meaning. In that way, your life will be joyful, your life will be meaningful. When I fulfill, when the pen fulfills its purpose of writing, it fulfills its own purpose. And it fulfills the purpose of the creator. In the same way, when I fulfill, when I do his purposes, when I know why I am doing what I am, I am fulfilling my own purpose as I live in this earth. And also I am fulfilling his purposes as I do that. My humble prayer is that none of you waste your life and live without a purpose. You may do everything for his glory and for his praise. Shall we pray? Father God, we want to thank you for your word, for reminding us why you did what you did. Father God, many times we have failed to understand that, and many times we have taken it for granted. Father, we pray that your spirit may continue to open our eyes to see the depth of that and to understand that. And to do the things that you want us to do on this earth. Lord, as we continue to live in this world in this coming week, pray that you may continue to speak to us. Continue to open our eyes to see who you are and the purposes that you have for us. And live out a life with meaning and purpose. And in that way, Lord, we may declare your praises. We may declare your honor. And wherever we are, continue to be with us and continue to guide us and continue to change us. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ, most precious.